We sang a song during the offering um, about the old, old story. And one of the, re- one of the phrases in the chorus is um, standing in he- or referencing standing in heaven, singing a new, new song, but it's an old, old song. And that really ties into to what I have to share this morning. Um, I want to speak from uh, Matthew chapter 5, uh, 13 through 16. And, like, it's simple to say, like, this is from the Sermon on the Mount, and, like, we've probably most of us have heard lots and lots about the Sermon on the Mount. We've read it. We've studied it. And... I guess this is these verses and and what I want to share is is really um, it is old old but it's also new new um, I think it it can be and it should be new new for us every day so let's let's uh, read these verses uh, Matthew chapter five thirteen through sixteen you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I'd like to start out talking about salt for just a little bit. Um, salt is, is a pretty basic element, and at the risk of, of getting a frown from my wife about making a dad joke, but salt in regards to our salvation and Scripture, um, is also a fairly basic element, um, something that we can look through Scripture and we find references to. I guess I should get my notes out and um, make sure I'm on track here. Salt is, is sodium chloride. That's the, the official name. We call it salt, but that's the, the, the name of the element. And there are literally thousands of uses for salt. Um, what are some different things that you guys know of that we can use salt for? Yes, yes, um, a condiment. Um, it is, that's, that's really probably the first use of salt was used. They, they discovered, who knows, it was back in... Uh, Ancient times, they discovered what salt, they can use it to flavor. Uh, I did read that, um, especially for vegetables, salt is really handy to, to flavor your vegetables. And I'm thinking, I mean, I don't know about vegetables, but a steak is always better with salt on it, right? I mean, <laughs> anyway, what are some other uses? What, what else can we use salt for? What, what um, yes, preservation. Um, what are some practical uses that we use salt for today? Not so much in our lives, but what do we see it being used as? Yes. Do you like that? Does your car like that? <laughs> no. I, 
about me, we could just leave all the salt off the roads. If it snows and you can't, you can't make it on the road, you can't drive, just stay at home. The world is not going to crumble and die because you can't get to work that day. It's my opinion. Um, so we've got salt as a condiment, preservation. Uh, we use it on our roads. It's used in chemicals, thousands and thousands of chemicals. Uh, I've got it written down here. From what I found online, um, salt is used directly or indirectly in the production of over 50% of chemicals produced today. So salt is, is a part, a huge part of our, of our universe. Basic building block, I guess you could say. Um, it's indirectly used to make glass. It's used to make dyes. Um, I mentioned chemicals. Um, oh, fire extinguishers. It is the principal ingredient in fire extinguishers. I, that's what I read. I, assuming, I mean, you know, everything you read on the internet is true, so that's what I'm going with. So, now that we've learned a little about, a bit about salt, how does that apply to Scripture and what we read in Scripture? Um, scripture is mentioned uh, many times. I'm, I'm not going to go back through and read all of the different places, but I, I want to point out some of these. Um, in Job 6, it references bringing out flavor, using, using it to flavor things. Um, in Isaiah, Isaiah uh, chapter 30, verse 24, it references using it for cattle in their feed. Um, and I, I remember, okay, both of my grandparents were farmers. I remember riding around in the truck, putting salt blocks out in, in his fields. And I'm sure probably many of you have similar memories. And I, I want to raise of hands here. Who remembers licking those salt blocks? <clears throat> Was it before or after you put them out? <laughs> I, I know as a kid running around on the farm, I, on Grandpa's farm, I, I licked the salt blocks after they were out there. It was... I, I guess I'm normal. I mean, it hasn't affected me that I know of. As, I mean, that's just that's another use for it. One of the major ways it's used in Scripture, um, something I didn't know before I was <clears throat> before I was studying for this. All of the grain offerings and burnt sacrifices that the scriptures references reference salt was used in those um, for instance in in the meat that was offered they salted it before they offered it and then the levites as i understand it, the levites got to eat from that and uh, they got they were they were lucky i guess because it was salted beforehand um, i guess they probably could have put it on afterwards too but the commentary I read said that, I pointed out that they salted it before it was offered. It's also, um, God used it in a covenant as part of a covenant, and, and because of the, the uh, some of the things that are consistent with salt, um, that, is, that is why he used it. Numbers... Numbers 18, uh, verse 19. I want to I look at that. 
<clears throat> says here, all the holy, contrib- holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord, I give to you and to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual due. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord for you and for your offspring with you. And if, if looking at, uh, or what I got out of the commentary for that, um, some of the properties of salt, um, permanence, inviolability, pretty sure I said that right, um, inviolability, anybody want to take a guess as the meaning of that? I didn't look it up in the dictionary, but I'm just going to go with what I... <laughs> not... You can't violate it. You can't break this. This is... This is uh, oh, yeah, it's permanent. So, so God used a covenant of salt to reference that. Like, that's, his, that's one of the, some of the... the um, that's the character of His covenant with us is... It can't be broken. It's set in stone. It's, it's something, um, it's using it for a covenant. It's used, Oriental, Oriental people use it as a sign of friendship. They sat down with someone. It was a covenant of friendship using salt in their, in their um, meal with their friends. Newborn babies were, in Ezekiel, it talks about newborn babies being rubbed with it. And I looked it up, it said that back in ancient times, newborn babies, after they were bathed, they rubbed their skin with salt to make it firm. My wife and I were talking about it, and she's like, eh, just, just dry your skin out. I, but that's, that is a, that's a biblical reference. Now, it also, salt also has some, some negative connotations. We, pretty much every, most of what I'd pointed out there was positive, but salt has some really negative connotations as well. Um, now, I can't find it uh, in my notes, but in, in the Old Testament, there was a... Uh, uh, a place where, where I believe it was the Israelites that, that um, conquered a land and they sowed salt in the fields to, to ruin it. I Let's see if it's on. I'm not sure where that note went. Um, it was a sign that land was barren. Let's see in Job 39. Verse six. I want, to, I want to turn to that. Yeah, it's also not the reference I thought. And there is a negative connotation. Um, so we have we see salt. Um, Salt as both good and bad. In, in, our, in our text, in our main text, where it talks about um, being walked upon, um, 
I need to go back to that. At the end of, of, chapter, of verse 13, it says, It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. What they use it for there, um, and we still see it used as a form of that today, is uh, salt being mixed with water, and they spray dusty roads with it, dirt roads with it, to cut down on the dust. So it, it, um, it's being used, I guess, in a positive way there. So looking at salt... The, the positive negatives that are mixed with it, where do we go from here? What, what are we referencing? What can we learn from it? I'd like to take, take this to, um, I guess, in a little bit different direction. When we, when we think about salt, and, and that is um, using it as, as a metaphor for our speech. How are my words salty, not salty? How are they salty in a positive way? How are they salty in a, in a negative way? Um, words are powerful. And um, speaking, learning to speak with, with grace and consideration is a... It's a, um, well, I get it's a gift, it's a blessing, um, and I, I, I can't say that, that I have um, a whole lot of that gift in me, at least not very often. There are many times where my speech um, is more of a, a reaction, is more of, uh, it's, it's the negative side of being salty. Um, and there are still times that God can use that, but... Uh, I, when, we, when we look at Scripture, like the, the, the next chapter or verse 14, where it continues on, is you are the light of the world. So how am I going to be the light if I've got bad salt, if I've got a, ne- a negative connotation for salt um, impacting me and, and, and coming out of me? So... Um, and, and I think also like spiritual gifts, are the, the spiritual gifts that God has given each one of us are impacted by, by the ways that we share them, the ways that we approach other people. A prophet, prophet for example, um, he can be seen as somebody with wise words and like, like really timely speech. But he can also be seen as, man, just a real jerk. Like, does he even know like what he's saying and how that hurts? So, so we have uh, so many ways that that we are responsible to be um, not just salty, but the right kind of salt.
There's a few verses in James I'd like to, to read. Um, James chapter 3, 9 through 12. And it's, it's speaking about our, or it's talking about our, our speech. <clears throat> Actually, let's move back up to, to um, verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. My wife uses uh, salt in cooking. She really enjoys cooking, and, and uh, she, okay, we have regular table salt, and, but she has for years uh, used kosher salt, and I didn't even know it was called that until just recently, but I knew that she had a different container of salt on the counter, and she used that for when she's cooking. And so today on the way up, I said, so why, what's kosher salt, kosher salt, and why do you use it? What's the point? And um, she may not have given me so much clarity in her answer if she would have known what I was, that I wanted to use it in the sermon. But um, so kosher salt is coarse. Table salt is very fine. Um, kosher salt, the grains are larger. She said it's easier to... Uh, like when you're adding it to your food, um, to <clears throat> whatever, a bowl of whatever you're making, uh, table salt, if she picks up, and, and, and okay, I use a measuring spoon, right? That's how I cook, because I, I don't know if it's because I'm a dude or what, but for her, she's like, she grabs a handful and she kind of sprinkles it around and she'll taste it, get some more, you know, that type of cooking, um, and she's like, it, the regular table salt gets in her nails. So she prefers, like, kosher salt. It's just easier. And it is less, uh, I don't know if there's a technical term, it's less salty than, than table salt. So you have to use a little bit more, but you can, it's a finer adjustment or finer change to as you're seasoning it. So... Um, I guess there's some things you, you didn't know that you needed to know about kosher salt. Um, how do we apply all of this? How do we apply all of this to our lives? Um, and how do, we, how do we switch that to being... How, or how do you apply that to being the light of the world and being a city on a hill that can't be hidden? In, in my own life... Um, something that I've become convicted of. And I, I'm sorry if you've heard me, uh, there's probably a few of you that have heard me share this before, and I, I just apologize. I probably get stuck on the same stories and anecdotes. Um, but for many years growing up and, and after I was married, up until, well, actually, I, I should say, I still, I still want this. 
I, I want a, a home out in the country with five-plus acres with a nice garage with some tools that I can go out and I can whatever, work on a vehicle or build something, um, some, some me space, right? Some, not a man cave, but just some, some me space. And I've, like, as long as I can remember, I've, I've wanted something. My dad had, like, where I grew up, it's 30 acres out in the, in the country, had a shop there, and we'd go out in the evening, we'd work on stuff. And there is nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the last several years, um, I am more and more convicted that for me, that doing that is, is taking that salt that I have and just hoarding it and just holding it close. And I'm going to make sure that I can explain this, as, as I guess as I understand it. One of the reasons that I, that I feel this way is a number of years ago, I was blessed to, to get to know uh, this man. Um, this was a black man. He was um, close to 40, and at the point that I knew him, um, his life had pretty much been really crappy. Not, not a lifestyle that any of us probably can relate to. He, uh, he had been a, a basketball player in high school, had a full-ride scholarship to a Division I college, and he was going places. He was good. Um, he got his scholarship, and the year after he graduated from high school that summer, he started dealing drugs in his community. I mean, he grew up in the ghetto, and that's that was just that was kind of the natural progression, and he he uh, told me all kinds of stories of how like that was the end of life for him really because he lost his scholarship because he got arrested for dealing drugs, and it was he, he said like he's not he's not trying like he's not looking back and saying that he didn't have a choice in it, but it was it was all that he knew. And uh, in our conversation, uh, as I got to know him, um, we worked together for a long time, and we'd have many different conversations, and he'd ask me questions. And I, like, I was just speaking out of how I was raised and the things that I had been taught, um, speaking Scripture to him, teaching Scripture to him, praying with him. And, and he professed to be a Christian. He had lots of, um, the point that I knew, at this point of the story, he was, he was doing well as far as living a, a godly life, but it hadn't been that long ago that he had been still mixed up in, in drugs and a completely different lifestyle. And uh, as we were working one day, he, he looked at me, he looks over at me, and tears streaming down his face, looked me right in the eyes, and he's like, Joel, he's like, why couldn't I have met you when I was 18 or 15 or even younger? Why couldn't I have met you then? And 
that that haunts me. It's not he didn't mean me specifically. He didn't mean why couldn't time go back and and me and him could have met and he could have gotten to know me. But why couldn't why couldn't he have had some positive impact back then? And I you know there's we can get all practical and say, well, just because if there would have been a mission in his community, maybe his life would have changed, maybe it wouldn't have. My point for me is that am I living my life with the salt that I have? Am I using it in a positive way? And this, this dream that I have of having this house back by myself, because it's really, it's to be honest, it's, it's sort of to get away so I can, like, it's my space. It's for me. And it's, it's getting it away and having that so I don't have to deal with people. And that, that conviction that I have, that, that it, it frustrates me because I say, like, I want that, but I, I hear God saying that, like, speaking through Scripture, the salt that you have that I've given you, those gifts, those good things in your life, share them. Take them out and, and share them with people. They don't do anyone any good if you keep them all to yourself. And my challenge to each one of you is to figure out ways. I guess, I mean, this is for me. Figure out a way that I can do that, that I can, that I can um, take what God has given me the lessons that I've learned, and pour them into other people's lives. We, I guess I want to challenge us as a church to be able to do that. Um, To wrap this up, I guess how I would like to wrap this up is, is to bring this to, um, to take that challenge and focus it, I guess bring it down more on our conversation, the words that we use. Because, I mean, living a life of, of saltiness is, is uh, appropriate, and that's what I that's what I want, but probably the, one of the most effective ways is in our conversation, in our words. So how can we, that's my challenge, is how can uh, we use our words to bring, to pour grace into other people's life? How can we um, speak Jesus into our neighbors, our friends? doesn't have to be just our church people. We can expand it beyond that. We can take it, um, we can take it as far as we want to. like to leave you with one verse, Colossians uh, chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person.
And with that, um, let's pray, and then you'll be dismissed. Why don't we...